<clears throat> recently on one of my videos, I made a comment about wearing the mask. And, of course, you do know that it has, wearing the mask they have come up with now has zero effect on the new variants of COVID today. That's zero effect. doesn't help a bit. And a lot of this was, to me, common sense because of the type of work that I do, construction work. We often would wear a dust mask because we're cutting you know, concrete blocks, we're cutting stones, we're cutting, and it's just a, our warehouse can be a whole, like a dust bowl inside. And yeah, you wear the mask and you'd have this ring of dirt around, you know, you take the mask off and you have this ring of dirt around your face, but <clears throat> all of that got into your, your nostrils, all that dust. It, 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 the dust mask didn't really help very little, I must, I must say. And so the idea that this this dust mask is going to keep you from getting a virus was ridiculous to me. And I, I think it did do something for a lot of people. It made them feel better about wearing a mask. And I've seen some strange examples of wearing a mask. I've, I, I've seen people in cars alone with no one else in the car driving with their mask on. I've seen a, a people, a guy sitting on his deck, with a mask, wearing a mask, and he was in the middle of nowhere. I mean, his home, his trailer was just, there, there was nothing to the left, there was nothing to the right, there was nothing in front of him, there, there was nothing behind him for a mile. And yet he's sitting there wearing his mask outside. And, you know, I'm, I'm just convinced that there are people who are so paranoid about this that when they pass away, you know, in the casket, They'll be wearing their mask in a casket. You know, you, you won't be able to see their face because they got the mask on because people are so paranoid about this issue. Now, you know, this was a mandate by our individual governors. It was never written into law. We know it was never handed down from on high. Thus says our government, you, everybody must wear a mask. It, it was never really any of that. But in making this comment, the reason I'm bringing all this up is because in making this comment on one of my videos, is that really in the Bible? Uh, talking about the mask, someone quoted this verse, and they said it was under the subtitle Mask Wearing, Romans 13 and verse 1. Let every soul be subject to the higher powers, for there is no power but of God, but the powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resists the power resists the ordinances of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. So today I want to go into this subject a little bit deeper. I mean, when do we, do, do we, questions to ask here, do we just accept whatever our government decides and just say, okay, all of it, whatever our government decides is from God, it's directly down from the hand of God, and so I just must submit to it, I must comply to it. Is there ever a time that we must, uh, you know, now this is going to be strange, think for ourselves judge for ourselves you know is there ever a time when obeying the government would be actually going against the will of god you see these are all questions that we must ask ourselves and today i hope to tackle a lot of these issues that i think bother a lot of people and even bother a lot of christians about what should i do you know, the problem with, with Christians is this. We want God just to tell us everything to do. Lord, tell me when to turn right. Tell me when to turn left. Tell me if I should wear a mask or not. Tell me this. Tell me that. You know, and that's just not the way God works. God expects us to think 
for ourselves. Is That Really in the Bible? presents the teaching ministry of David Freeman. So I want to begin by saying, by quoting a verse here in Romans 12 and verse 18. I think it tells us the goal, the motivation, the spirit that we should all be under uh, when it comes to submission to uh, the powers that be. There is a particular goal that we should all have in mind, and, and it is Romans 12 and verse 18. If it be possible, as much as lies in you, live peaceably with all men. You know, when I think this is really what I'm, I want, I am not a controversial person, although I use controversy to get people's attention. I use sarcasm. I use jokes and different kind of things to get people's attention. But, you know, I want to live at peace. I just want to be left alone and live at peace with all men. And as we begin this program, I, I want you to understand that I am not in any way talking about uh, resisting our government only from the aspect of when it goes against God's will or only from the aspect of when government becomes corrupted. But I am not one at all to suggest, you know, like the looting, the burning down cities, uh, what we have seen in the past. None of that is is right. I am not promoting that at all. I think our goal should be, as this verse says, if it's possible. You know, and it does use that word, if, if it's possible, as much as lies in you, with everything that you've got, Live at peace with all men because it's really to your benefit. It, it makes your life work. It makes you more happy if you are at peace uh, with all people. Okay. Now, someone said this. Have you ever noticed that the police will leave you alone if you aren't doing anything illegal? You ever notice that? I mean, it, it's, it's true, you know. It's true. They... I, you know, I've just never had any problem with the police or anything like that. And so it, it's true. If you do the right thing, they'll leave you alone. So <clears throat> let's go a little bit deeper into this verse, and we'll come back to Romans 13, 1 and 2 and go into it deeper in the latter part of this program. But for right now, let's just establish some things in Romans 13 and verse 3. And I'm reading from the New International Revised Version, I believe. It reads a little bit better, I think, than the King James concerning this issue. It's some basic, just uh, common sense rules here. It says, if you do what is right, you won't need to be afraid of your rulers. Now, that's an interesting statement. You know, you do the right thing. You obey the speed limit, and you don't have to get worried about getting a ticket. You know, how, how's that? That's pretty good, is it not? You mean it can work that simple? If I just obey the speed limit, I don't have to worry about getting a ticket. Yeah, that's exactly what it means. But watch out if you do what is wrong. You don't want to be afraid of those in authority, do you? No, I don't. In fact, I really don't want to have an encounter with those that are in authority. I want to be left alone. And one of the ways you're left alone in peace is to, is to do the right thing, to obey the laws of the land. 
It says, then do what is right. The one in authority will praise you. Yeah, they'll pat you on the back. You know, they won't give you a ticket for driving too fast, whatever. Uh, You know, respect for authority, respect for the police. I have never had in my 59 years, I've never had an issue with authority. I just, just really never had. Uh, I did, especially like state police. I mean, I respect those guys. I respect the, the, the men who protect us. And only one issue I can think of is, uh, I did have an encounter with a, um, park ranger. And of course the problem there is a park ranger, you know, here was this boy, you know, you know it, the power went to his head, you know? And so here I pull up in, in my, I'm, I'm a young boy, you know, I'm a teenage boy. I got a stingray Corvette and I had let my driver's license expire. And he looked at it and he said, don't you know when your birthday is, you know, sarcastically, you know, he was very rude and very, uh, you know, a power hungry, but you can expect that with, with, but with certain people, but you know, a park ranger. Okay. You, you might expect that, but, but what I'm saying is that's the only one encounter I can ever even think of where I was, and I, I wasn't even mistreated. He was just, you know, his ego and his lust for power caused him to think he was more than what he was. But what I'm saying is I've never encountered anything like this otherwise, especially with the state police, the men, you know, in uniform. They are respectful if you respect them. Okay. So, anyway, continue on in verse Romans 13 and verse 4. He serves God and will do you good. But if you do wrong, watch out. The ruler doesn't carry a sword for no reason at all. He serves God, and God is carrying out his anger through him. The rulers punish anyone who does wrong. And again, civil authorities that are set up in place, yes, that's what they do. When people do wrong, they punish them. That's what they're supposed to do. Romans 13 and verse 5, you must obey the authorities. Then you will not be punished. Do the right thing. Obey the authorities. You must also obey them because you know it is the right thing to do. Yeah, yeah, I know it's right. Okay, I, I'm, I'm not dumb. I'm not ignorant of what the right thing to do is. And again, I come back to that little statement I saw recently. Have you ever noticed that the law leaves you alone if you aren't doing anything illegal? Now, am I perfect? In this area of doing everything right, no, I'm not. Believe me, I'm not. I don't always wear a seat belt. You know, um, I ride a motorcycle. So I've found that seat belts don't do you a bit of good on a motorcycle, you know. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's just, uh, I don't, I forget to put it on. I have driven down the road and drank a beer. Yes, I have. Yeah, that's, that's what you call drinking and driving, but... Boy, did I enjoy it. No, just kidding. Uh, but, you know, yeah, yeah, I've done that before, too. So, so I mean, I'm not, don't any of us kid ourselves in thinking I perfectly keep all the laws of the land. And because I don't, I realize I don't. But but I, I, I try to, is what I'm saying. I respect the powers that be, okay? So the powers that be, our civil government, you know, if you steal, you will be punished for that. And that is in line with the will of God. That's in line with the laws of God. If you steal, you should, you should pay back. 
you should make retribution, whatever. So our, in our system, our authority, civil authority, if you steal, you're going to be punished. If you kill, you're going to be punished. You know, And that, again, is in line with the will of God and the law of God. It may not, our laws are not as severe you know, the biblical laws is pretty much eye for an eye, strike for strike, you know, killing for killing. And I think that's a good thing. But but our laws are somewhat milder than than the word of God. But that's OK. You, you're still punished if you if you do these things that are wrong. If you are a male, what Laura Schlesinger called a male sperm donor and you just go around from girl to girl to girl getting women pregnant. And you don't pull up your pants, you know, literally, literally, and you don't um, accept responsibility for your actions. Well, then our government government will come along and say, "Look, you've got to pay child support because you are totally irresponsible in your actions of the way you go around throughout society impregnating women, women, and then leaving them to tend for themselves, leaving them with a child." to take care of, you've got to accept responsibility for who you are and what you are. And so in in many cases, our government forces people to pay, uh, sperm donors to pay child support. Okay. Nothing wrong with that. Now there's issues, you know, government spending. We could argue to the cows come home about this. You know, examples would be road and infrastructure uh, repairs, national defense, schools, health care, government worker salaries. And I know, but and when I look at this, I, mean, I am grateful I can drive to point A to point B. And, you know, not, <laughs> not my car out of line because of potholes in the roads. Uh, you know, I'm grateful for the state and what they do. And I don't mind my taxes going for that or whatever. Uh, infrastructure repairs, that's ne- necessary. National defense, that's necessary. Schools, we could argue about schools and homeschooling and all that. Uh, Health care, well, we could talk about that also, uh, or the lack thereof. Uh, government worker salaries, we could say, well, there's corruption and how much money is spent in these areas. And I agree there is corruption, and I agree that there's too much money spent in the wrong areas. I understand that. Okay, I understand. It's not a perfect world. Romans 13, verse 6, that also is why you pay taxes. The authorities serve God. Ruling takes up all their time. Give to anyone what you owe. Do you owe taxes? Well, pay them. Do you owe anything else to the government? Then pay it. Do you owe respect? Then give it. Do you owe honor? Well, then show it. So again, this this it's it's very simplistic. We have a system that works for us, that protects us. That you know, the fire department that comes out and if a house catches on fire, okay, all these areas that are you know government funded uh, areas that are very actually work to our benefit. Now, in the Gettysburg address. Abraham Lincoln, after the Civil War, said this, that these dead shall not have died in vain, that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom, and that government of the people, by the people, 
for the people shall not perish from the earth. You know, I, I love that statement that that a government of the people, by the people, and for the people shall not perish. It, it's a you see, it's a beautiful thing. In a perfect world, it works very well. But we're not in a perfect world. Is the problem? Government can become corrupted. The character of leaders can become corrupted. And the question is, well, how would you know? How would you know when this happens? Now, I admit, this verse in Romans 13 and 1 and 2 is a hard verse to understand. I admit that. And you know, because of what it says, it says, For there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. How do we understand that? Well, I'm going to try to explain it. Uh, Whosoever therefore resists the power resists the ordinances of God. In a way, this doesn't make sense to me. But you see, here it is. With a relationship with God, it's okay to say that. It's okay to say to God, God, I don't understand this. This doesn't make any sense. I mean, how can you say if I resist anything about government, our government, I'm resisting God. How can you say this? So, so I'm struggling here, and, and, and so I don't, this doesn't always make sense to me, you see. I'll explain why. Uh, since 1973, there have been 63 million abortions. So if you resist this decision, are you resisting the ordinances of God? If you pick it. If you hold up your son, you're against abortion. You see, now, now here's the thing. You have a right to do that. You have the freedom to say, I don't, even though it's in our government, our laws and abortion, and what a hideous thing that is, 70, uh, 63 million abortions, but you have the right to, re- to resist in a peaceful way, you see. Again, the powers that be are ordained of God. So is abortion ordained of God? No, abortion is not ordained of God. But God has allowed man's system to go down that road and make the wrong choices, you see. Pornography is protected under the First Amendment as artistic free expression. If you can imagine that. How that passes, how that gets by is beyond me, but it is, okay? So is pornography ordained by God? Well, of course not. But God has allowed man in his twisted, manipulating minds (laughs) to somehow justify this vile filth as protected under the First Amendment. Okay, God's allowed that. So we come back to this verse, Romans 13 and verse 1. Let every soul be subject unto the higher power for there is no power but of god the powers that be are ordained of god whosoever therefore resists the power resists the ordinances of god and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation someone else quoted on my and i i love this this was such a powerful statement made us they they made this quote i want to read it to you on my website or on my videos says, this one misunderstood passage, that's Romans 13, has led to more tyranny and mass genocide throughout the last 2,000 years than any other one tool of the enemy. I'm sure every dictator throughout history 
has used this passage to rally support for the very people he eventually kills. Yes, God does put evil people into power over us, but it's because of our hard hearts and our disobedience to his commandments. If we don't want to be ruled over by evil men and live under a curse, then it's real simple. All we have to do is look at Second Chronicles 7 and verse 14 and do as it says. Now, okay, this, I, I love this, this path, you know, this, what this person said. And so I want to quote Second Chronicles 7 and verse 14. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways... Then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sins, and will heal their land. You know, I look at this, and I think, could it be this simple? That all we have to do is just turn to God as a nation, and turn from our wicked ways, and pray and seek God's face? You know, I, I really believe it could be that simple. Um, You know... The problem is God allows us to do stupid things. If we elect stupid people to rule over us, then stupid is what we will be. You know, we can't blame God for allowing our government to permit abortions or anything like that. It was all or, or pornography or anything like that. It's all come about because we have allowed stupid people to rule over us, men and women who are not God-fearing and who are not seeking God. And this is the type of government that we have. Now, I admit it's better than anything else you'd want to live under. I mean, you know, if you really want to see bad, you can visit other countries. And But I, I still believe, even with the corruption, we have the best form of government Although we are selling it for socialism, I, I realize that, which is a sad reality. You know, six million Jews died in the Holocaust, uh, and there were, you know, they were God's people. I mean, think about this. They were, they were special to God. They knew this, and they were trusting God to deliver them. They prayed. Do you think they prayed? The six million Jews that died in the Holocaust. Oh, yeah, they prayed every day. They knew God would do something to alleviate their pain and suffering and ultimately deliver them from the gas chambers. Now, I'm not willing to say God didn't do anything. You know, God intervenes in mysterious ways. Uh, if you've ever watched Schindler's List, uh, he managed to save 1,200 Jews from the gas chambers. And and so God intervened in, in, in small ways. And, of course, at the end of that movie, Schindler is, is you know, he's, he's beside himself. He looks at his ring and, you know, he says something like, I could have sold that for $300. How many more could I have saved? I could have sold this vehicle that I don't even need. You know, how many more people, men and women, could I have saved? You know, and, and so he, he's agonizing over this. However, God did do one thing that I, I want to touch on here. He allowed them the freedom to surrender to the powers that be. He allowed them to surrender to a tyrannical, evil government, and that was Adolf Hitler. And history has a way of repeating itself. 
It really does, and we would do well to consider history. But first, the people must be conditioned to accept it's the government's authority. Now, how might that take place, do you think? Well, I'm not going to give you any clues, but I think we actually see it happening before our eyes, being tested here, there, and yonder, and being tried in certain areas. Okay? We must be conditioned to accept complete authority as far as the government completely being ruled by them in some of the most minute, simplistic areas areas where we should be able to think for ourselves and say, okay, I'm not going along with that, whatever. Okay, the question is, when do we obey government? When do we obey God? And are the two the same? You might say, well, well, we obey God all the time. But, okay, is government and God, are are they the same? When do we obey God over government? You know, if you look at Romans 13 as an absolute statement of blind obedience, and again, Christians are notorious for this. Just tell me what I need to do. Just show me what I, just tell me what I, okay, I need to wear the mask. Okay, I'm wearing the mask. Okay, I need to line up to the gas chambers. Okay, I'm lining up to, just tell me what I need to do. You know, we are notorious for this. And, and, but if we look at this verse, Romans 13, 1 and 2, as, abs, as an absolute statement of just blind obedience, you know, you're going to regret that later in life, I believe. And here's what you need to understand. Sometimes civil authorities fight evil. At other times, civil authorities perform the evil in society. And there's a huge difference between the two. Sometimes civil authority fights evil. And at other times, civil authorities perform the evil in society. So what do you have to have? Well, you've got to have a list of of seven things I think you've got to have. And I'm going to go through these again in a different order. But you've got to have wisdom. Okay, You've got to have judgment, the ability to judge a situation. You've got to have personal character. If you don't have any character, you'll just go with the flow, you see. You've got to know a little bit about history. Okay, Fourth thing. Uh, fifth, you've got to know something about your Bible. You, you can't be a buffoon about the Word of God and, and expect to survive all that's coming down the pike, okay? Uh, six, God must come first. You know, you, you always, of course you always put God first. And seven is prayer. You must, in other words, open my eyes and my heart that I may see, okay? You got to see what, what's coming down What's where we're headed? You got to make judgment. You got to have wisdom. You got to pray about it. You got to know your Bible. You got to know history. You got to. There's a lot you got to know. By the way, now some of the Jews got out of Germany when they saw what was coming down. Now you think about that. How did they do that? How, and because most did not. I mean, six million in, uh, died in a Holocaust. I mean, that that's that's a lot. But some of them got out of Germany in time. They saw what was coming. So what did they have? I'd say they probably had a list of these seven things here. Wisdom, judgment, character. They knew a little bit about history. They knew knew their Bibles. uh, God must come first. Prayer. They probably had those seven issues, those seven points intact. So we come back to this. uh, Romans 13 and verse 2. Whosoever therefore resists the power, resists the ordinances of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. 
I want to look at five examples from the Bible of people resisting authority. Okay, let's go with this. Number one, Moses' mother resisted Pharaoh. She hid Moses for three months. <coughs> Exodus 1 and verse 22, And Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, Every son that is born you shall cast into the river, and every daughter you shall save alive. Now, what a hideous thing to tell a mother. But, you know, the midwives, and you find this in Exodus 1 and verse 17, but the midwives feared God. Now, here we have God first, God over government, and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the men children alive. Now, this is a beautiful example of, of what we're talking about, of, of people who, when it came right down to the wire, you know, they chose God over what the king said or what the king of Egypt said. They resisted the powers that be. Uh, second one, Rahab resisted the king of Jericho. Joshua 2 and verse 3, And the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that come unto thee, which are entered into the house, for they be come to search out the country. And the woman took the two men and hid them, and said thus, There came men unto me, but I don't know where they were or where they went. Now, let me spell this out to you. Rahab lied, okay, to protect the spies. And Rahab is, is in the hero hall of fame that we find in Hebrews 11. Now, wrap your mind around that. You know, we, I don't know. Sometimes when I think of religion, I think of some pasty, white-faced, chalky-faced priest, you know, with lily-white hands and never done a day's work and... and with all the religious osity that people use, you know, well, uh, Jesus said, they that behold need not a physician, but they that are sick. Well, I don't know about that. And all the just nonsense and and religious acting and 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 smack healing and, and smack, not, not that I'm against healing, but some of the buffoons that you see on TV, I have a problem with, but... Uh, but, you know, it, sometimes we just we forget that, that a Christian is a real person, okay? You know, David, King David, was fearful of the king of Gath. And, 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 and in order to protect himself, he pretended to be crazy. Now, get this. He pleaded insanity, okay? And he let his spit run, out, run down his beard, drool, you know, like a madman. I mean, does this fit? your description now david was called a man after god's own heart he's going to be in, in the kingdom of god he's under the lineage of, of well, actually rahab and 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 and, um, and david are under that lineage of jesus christ so they're going to be in the kingdom of god and you just see these bizarre examples and sometimes they just don't fit our mold of what is religious Okay, but Rahab resisted the king of Jericho. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego resisted. You know, Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, and at a certain time of the day, he said, you must fall down and worship this image. Well, guess who didn't do it? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And, and here's the thing. The people turned in, the people turned in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, yeah, I hate to say this, but you know, people, in order to protect themselves, and it could be your neighbor, 
could be a person right beside you, could be your best friend or so you think, in order to protect themselves, will will turn you in if you are a man of God or a woman of God. You know, they will. They will. And so the people turned in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego for not going along with the king. And the king was enraged. And he basically said, I'll give you one more chance to bow down to this golden image. And the story is in Daniel 3 and verse 17. They say to the king, he says, If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, now this is, this is, wrap your mind around this. At this point, they didn't know. You know, uncertainty and out of control is the two things that leads to a lot of anxiety in life. I want to be in control. I want to know what's going to happen. You know, I don't want any uncertainty, uncertainty in my life. Well, you talk about uncertainty. Here were three guys that didn't know. They knew God could deliver, but here's the statement. But if not, if he doesn't deliver us out of the fiery furnace, they had their uncertainty. They were not in control. They were the control they had was submitting to the will of God. Okay, but if not, be it known unto thee, O King, that we will not serve your God nor worship the golden image which you have set up. I mean, you talk about resisting the powers that that be face to face. Here it is. Okay, Joseph, Mary, and Christ escaped to Egypt. You know the story, Matthew 2 and verse 13, And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then we find in Matthew 2 and verse 16, Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceedingly wroth and sent forth and slew. All the children that were in Bethlehem and in all the coast thereof from two years old and under according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise man. Wise man, can you wrap your mind around that? That here was this cruel dictator, Herod, who killed, who snatched two-year-old babies out of mother's arms and dashed their head against the wall. Yeah, sometimes you got to resist authority. Now consider this. Are all leaders servants of God for good? Let me repeat that. Are all leaders, whoever they may be, servants of God for good? No, no, they're not. You have to have the wisdom to know the difference. All right, Peter and John resisted the council. The council commanded Peter and John to avoid speaking about the Son of God. You can't talk about Jesus. You can't talk about the Son of God. They resisted the council, and then they commanded them again the second time. And they resisted the second time. And in Acts 5 and verse 28, saying, Did we not straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine, and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Then Peter and the other apostles answered, and you never want to forget this verse, Acts 5 and verse 29. And they said, 
we ought to obey God rather than man. That's one of the most powerful statements you will ever read in your life. We ought to obey God rather than man. So the question, when do we obey government? When do we obey God over government? Uh, Do we look at Romans 13 as an absolute statement of blind obedience? You know, at the end time, there are people who are going to worship the mark of the beast. I mean, think about that one. Is that God's will? You know, that's a, that's a governmental structure, the mark of the beast, that will be, it will consist of some power-hungry, you know, person, plus a religious figure also. You've got to tie those two in together. But again, you know, sometimes civil authorities fight evil, and other times civil authorities perform the evil in society. And we read about this when evil, at other times civil authorities perform the evil in society and here it is revelation 14 and verse 9 and the third of the angels follow them saying with a loud voice if any man worship the beast in his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of god which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. Oh, yeah. Now, I don't know what that mark of the beast is, and I think you will know as you near the end time as far as how it all comes together. But anyway, so we have, you know, we have many examples here of people, at least, you know, these five examples of people resisting the powers that be, resisting the king, resisting the government, resisting whatever. Now, again, I'm not... I'm just saying there may come a time when you have to do this. I'm not encouraging you to do it right now because basically we still live in a a free system that allows you to disagree, that allows you to make your stand, that allows you to resist peacefully. And that's the point. If you can resist peacefully, well, then that's what you need to be doing. If you disagree peacefully, then you, I mean, that's what we need to be doing. So, how to fit it all together? Never forget the seven points. Number one, pray for discernment. You know, Jesus said, Watch ye therefore and pray always that you may be able and worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of God. You know, there's a, there's a, a danger of not standing. And uh, often as Christians, we want it all laid out. Just tell me what to do. Just tell me what to do. Well, it's going to depend on your relationship with God in order for you to know what to do. And the first point is pray for discernment. Second point is God, God first. You have to put God first always. We ought to obey God rather than man. Okay. Third, you got to know your Bible. You got to know your Bible. And you got to know, you know, some of you didn't even know the examples that I gave of, of the people that did resist. Uh, four, you got to know something about history, and that history often repeats itself. My father fought in Germany, and uh, he didn't talk about it a lot, but he was part of you know the, the liberating team that went in there and to uh, liberate the Jews uh, back then. So uh, you got to know a little bit about your history, and history repeats itself. You got to have these three elements: also wisdom, judgment, and character. You know, you got to have that. And, you know, there is a time, 
Proverbs 22 and verse 3 says this, A prudent man foresees the evil and hides himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. You know, you don't want to be one of the simple-minded ones who are punished uh, unnecessary. You know, uh, you're, you're, you're punished, and yet you, you look at your life and you think, what is happening to me? You know, I'm headed toward the gas chambers or whatever. You know, <laughs> a prudent man foreseeks, foresees the evil. And as I mentioned earlier, there were some Jews that forsook, that, that, that left Germany when they saw what was coming down. How did they do that? Well, they had wisdom. They had discernment. They prayed. They knew their history. They knew something about the Bible. They were able to see this coming down the pike, and they got out. So a prudent man foresees the evil and hides himself, but the simple pass on and are, and are punished. So what I want to conclude with is this, to always think for yourself. You know, I cannot give you an absolute right answer for you. So many people won't, you know, they expect God to just just tell me what to do. And if you're that way, you're going to get, and someone will tell you what to do. I can guarantee you that. But you don't want the wrong person telling you what to do. So if you have these characteristics, these seven points I went through, pray for discernment. Put God first. Know your Bible. Know your history. And that history repeats itself. Have the wisdom and the judgment and the character you need to face the end time. If you have these seven points, you can never, ever go wrong. If you would like more information or if you have any questions, write to Is That Really in the Bible? 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia 24151 or visit us on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.net For more information, check us out online at isthatreallyinthebible.net Listen to the podcast, watch the weekly program, worship with us on our weekly Sabbath service and be sure to visit our free bookstore. Again, the website is isthatreallyinthebible.net